episode 48 of Believe in Hockey Prospects. My name is Luke Legrano. And I'm Jess Rubenstein. Thank you for spending some time with us. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. March is here and the nation has gone crazy for college basketball. And with so many games left to play, now's your chance to win some money while you watch. Bet Online has lines and spreads on every game so you never have to worry about missing out on the action. But whether you're looking to place a bet on college basketball, the NHL, or any other sport, Bet Online has you covered. So head on over to betonline.ag and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag. Sign up today. This is Believe in Hockey Prospects, the show all about discussing the future stars in the game of hockey. We believe in the future. Do you believe? This week, we'll talk about the top 10 Hobie Baker finalists and the field of 16 for the men's Frozen Four. But first... The Wisconsin Badgers are your national champions after beating Northeastern in the Women's Frozen Four Championship. The Badgers met the Huskies in the finals after Wisconsin took down Providence and Ohio State, and Northeastern defeated Robert Morris and Minnesota Duluth. It was scoreless most of the game until McKenna Webster opened the scoring with nine minutes to go in the third period to give the Badgers a 1-0 lead. Northeastern would come back 40 seconds later with a Chloe Arard goal that would leave the game tied at 1 and send it to overtime. That's when Daryl Watts fired a shot that deflected off of Megan Carter to make the Badgers back-to-back champions and give them their sixth title in program history. Jess, what a tournament and what a wild finish. Do you have anything to say about the Women's Frozen Four? What a shame it was that so little people watched it, you know? I mean, worse than the women's basketball. This was a great tournament, and there was almost no coverage on it. You know, those of us who took the time to watch it were treated to some great hockey, and I salute every woman who took part in this tournament for putting on such a bloody good show under such crazy conditions. Wisconsin... They could have beaten some men's teams as dominant as they were. I am just so impressed by how well they played. Both teams really were. This is a bloody shame that hockey fans missed out on what was one of the best final games in women's college hockey history. We need to get that changed. Their game should be shown just like the men's are because this was a beautiful game. Wisconsin. I don't know really what to say. This was a really good team, man. Several of these women, there should be a spot someplace for them in the professional ranks. The first women's Frozen Four under the ESPN umbrella, and Jess, we got a good one. We really did get the best of the best in this tournament. All of the games were close. I believe the game between Northeastern and Robert Morris was the only game that wasn't decided by three goals or less. Yeah. And that game's a one seed against a 10 seed. Normally, you don't expect those games to be close. If you want to talk about a final game, man, how could anyone have seen that overtime winner coming like that? Daryl Watts said she thought she could make a move when she saw the goalie go down, and we'll have to take her word for it on if she really thought she could make that bank shot. But you have to love the outpour of love and respect for Daryl Watts, playing hard all throughout her senior year. Captain Brett Pettit said in her postgame interview that Watts goes out there every single game and shows all the guts in the world. 
so it seems like the perfect way to cap an incredible season for the Badgers. And on the flip side of that coin, you've got to feel for Northeastern in this one. This was their tournament to lose. They worked all season long. Northeastern grinded better than any other team in the regular season. If you go back and watch that overtime winner, you can watch the life drain out of Megan Carter when she realizes what just happened. But somebody's got to win. Somebody's got to lose. What a great cap to a fantastic season. Hats off to all the women that made that fantastic championship game possible. And you know what? Megan Carter, hold your head up high. Don't let that one goal ruin what was an outstanding season. You are a really great defensewoman. She had the bad luck to, you know, have the buck go bank in off of her. But Daryl Watts, <laughs> wow, that was a beautiful idea. But the question I want to choose to know is, did Watts call bank before she hit that shot? <laughs> Maybe we'll never know, Jess. Maybe we'll never know. We have the list for the 10 finalists for the Hobie Baker Award given to the best player of the season. This list includes a good mix this year, Jess. We've got the 10 finalists right here. They include defenseman David Ferentz of Boston University, winger Matt Boldy of Boston College, winger Cole Caulfield of Wisconsin, center Dylan Holloway of Wisconsin, center Odin Tufto of Quinnipiac, center Shane Pinto of North Dakota, goalie Jack LaFontaine of Minnesota, goalie Dryden McKay of Minnesota State, goalie Spencer Knight of Boston College, and goalie Keith Petrozelli of Quinnipiac. So what do you think of the list, Jess, and who do you think makes the cut for the final three? Oh, man. Wow. Well, you know, three of the last four winners have been defensemen. I don't know, maybe David Farrance? I, I don't think he's going to win it. But he deserves to be in the final three. There's no way you can't have our good friend Spencer Knight. I mean, he's in there. I, I want it to be an upset, you know? Let's not give it to the usual suspects, the Caulfield, the Holloway. Let's give it to some guys, you know, seniors who are, are basically, you know, this is it for them. Odin, what a wonderful person. I'm so happy to see that he's there. Well, we got Boston College, there's two people on it. Wisconsin's got several on it. If the fans vote, this isn't fair. But if it was done by, you know, who did what, I'm pretty sure they're going to just hand it over to Cole Caulfield. So before I talk about the players themselves, I want to talk about the slew of talent we have in front of us, Jess. We've got four first-round picks in Knight, Boldy, Caulfield, and Holloway. Shane Pinto this past draft was the first pick of the second round. And then Ferenc, Petrozelli, and LaFontaine are third-round picks. And I'm sure Tufto and McKay will sign a nice contract at the end of the season. Fantastic list of prospects right here, Jess. Can't complain about any of them. But looking at the players, I gave my pick when we had a list of 60, and I argue that Cole Caulfield will still walk away the winner here. But I think there's an argument that we see some history here, Jess. I think we see Spencer Knight as a top three finalist. I think he's a given. We've never had two goalies in the top three before, Jess. And I think Dryden McKay may be that third player this year. Because I don't think that people understand how good Dryden McKay actually is. So I want to play a little game with you here, Jess. I'm going to take you back to last year. In his last 60 starts, 6-0, that's all of last year and all of this year, how many games has Dryden McKay lost in regulation? Okay, I'd say probably around nine. Eight. Eight games in regulation in his last 60 starts, only four this year, three in the regular season, one in the conference tournament. This guy is an 
animal. As we've talked about on this show, the Hobie Award values star power, and while Caulfield and Knight have both earned their spot, they do have that name value to bolster their case. But there comes a point where I don't think you can ignore the numbers, and I think McKay has reached that point. My vote is for Cole Caulfield, but I hope the Minnesota State goalie gets the love that he deserves and makes it to that top three cut. With Spencer Knight in that group, unfortunately, I just don't see that happening. If it's going to go to a goalie, and I still think that they're going to wind up with the defenseman, just because that seems to be the, I would call it the addiction. Honestly, I really like Shane Pinto's efforts. I mean, I like Cole Caulfield. McKay definitely deserves to be up there. I wish they'd make the vote right now. That way we don't have it tainted by somebody who got hot during the Frozen Four, because it should be the entire body of work during the regular season and not what happens during the playoffs, because that's when you get on TV and everybody sees what you're going to do. There can only be one Hobie Baker winner, but there can also only be one national champion for the men's Frozen Four. So now is the time for what we've been waiting for. The field of 16 for the men's Frozen Four tournament has been announced. And after weeks of speculation, Jess, we finally have our bracket. But before we go over the 16 teams, Jess, we already have some controversy. St. Lawrence, the automatic qualifier out of the ECAC, was forced to withdraw due to COVID protocol. Quinnipiac replaces them as the ECAC representative. Let's talk about that. Do you want to do it right now? Let's do it right now because... Let's do it right now, Jess. St. Lawrence, people would have argued, wouldn't have belonged there. They got a fluke. They got hot at the right time. The NC2A has a deadline of 7 p.m. Eastern on Monday for teams to pull out because of, you know, COVID problems, and they could be replaced by another team. After 7 p.m. Eastern tonight, It'll be like what happened with Oregon in the men's basketball. You just get the freebie and move on. But unless there was more than one COVID test, I wonder why St. Lawrence didn't just simply say, let's test the team. We'll go with an assistant coach. I just think that you're a little Bobby cat on your own. But I question whether they deserve this spot because they got in as the automatic They would have gone anyway, no question. But a school like Providence could have gone. Denver College could have gone. I just don't like what happened here. There seems to be a lot of talk around what happened with St. Lawrence, especially since it was only one positive test, and people are questioning whether or not that we could have worked around it. But St. Lawrence has been yanked from the tournament, and I got to tell you, my heart is absolutely broken for them because the Saints had everything they worked hard for ripped away from them in the blink of an eye. To put it bluntly, they had a brutal season, but they overcame Colgate and Quinnipiac, and just like that, they've got a shot at a national championship, and then it's gone. It's just gone, and it goes to the team that they beat to get there. And if you follow me on Twitter, you know I've been critical on how Quinnipiac has gotten to this part of their trip. This is the easiest, saddest trip to a tournament bid I have seen Ever. They had to play a single game, Jess, against a team that they were better than, and they were guaranteed a spot right there, and they blew it. One stinking game, Jess, is all they needed to make it, and they couldn't even handle that. This isn't some schlep program that I'm ragging on. This is my team, Jess, for crying out loud. Yeah, and I salute you for being so bloody honest. I really do, because, you know, a lot of people would have just simply gone, hey, you know, fighters, keepers, losers, sweepers. We got in. It's just a little unfair. This year, I really thought 
that they should have had more teams. Instead of just giving American International its spot, I would have had American International play in. The top four seeds would have wait for a play-in of a game, say, you know, all right, so these guys are going to be Friday. The ones that play on Friday would have their play-in on Wednesday. The ones who play on Saturday, the play-in would have been on Thursday. Four more schools who really deserve to be here would have been played in because I still don't understand why they're in the dark ages with the men's hockey tournament uh, at sticking a 16 teams. There's definitely enough good teams to at least get to 32. A couple of great programs missed the cut. Providence is the last team out, and like you said, they are waiting until 7 p.m. Eastern time today. If they find out that someone has a positive COVID case, Providence will replace them. But we also missed out on Denver, UConn, Lowell. A couple of great programs missed the cut because of this 16-team team, and Quinnipiac, honestly, probably would have made the cut regardless. They probably would have been a 14-16 to 16 seed in that range, but this team just doesn't deserve an automatic bid whatsoever. St. Lawrence fought, they deserve the shot at the title, and they're not going to get it back, and I think that's an absolute disgrace. Well, there is good news. They have to face Minnesota State in the first round, and a certain goalie's playing for Minnesota State that we both root for. Since you bring up the games, Jess, how about we go over the games? I think we can start in the Eastern region. That will go down on Friday, March 26th in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Number one seed, Wisconsin, will play number four seed, Bemidji State. And number two seed, UMass, will play number three seed, Lake Superior State. Also on Friday, the Midwest Division will play in Fargo, North Dakota. There, number one seed, North Dakota, will play number four seed, AIC. And number two seed, Michigan, will play number three seed, Minnesota Duluth. On Saturday, March 27th, the action will begin with the Northeast Division in Albany, New York. There, number one seed Boston College will play number four seed Notre Dame. And number two, St. Cloud, will play number three, Boston University. And finally, in the West Division, which will take place in Loveland, Colorado, number one seed Minnesota will play number four seed Omaha. And number two seed Minnesota State will also play number three seed Quinnipiac. So, Jess, we've got some brackets. Some places will have fans, some will not. Fans will be allowed to attend in Albany and Fargo, but not Bridgeport or Loveland. All second-round matchups will take place the following day. And like we said before, any person that has to withdraw today will be replaced by Providence. If it's after the deadline, the opponent will receive a no-contest win and move on in place. So how do you feel about the seeding, and how do you feel about the tournament playing out here, Jess? I think there are some games that I really want to watch. I want to see Minnesota Duluth and Michigan. That should be a great matchup. Massachusetts taking on the upstart Lake Superior State. You know, UMass is my team, my school. I jumped for joy Saturday night when UMass won their first Hockey East. But I really think they have a really rough road ahead of them to get anywhere. Minnesota and Omaha... Has, has has a way of being like a sleeper game because Omaha, if they show up, they'll give Minnesota fits. Congratulations to the Fighting Irish. They're the ones who got the, uh, look what dropped in our lap spot, but they get to face Boston College. On paper, it looks good. You know, I wouldn't be shocked if American International gets blown out by North Dakota because right now, I don't know who beats North Dakota. 
So the first thing that I want to address is I've talked to a few different people about how the NCAA is coming under fire online because it seems like they don't care about being cautious about traveling. I think that's a fair assessment, in all honesty, Jess. Oh, definitely. I'm the furthest thing from a geography expert. I can barely go 20 minutes from my own home without a GPS. But I looked at the bracket, and 10 or 11 teams are going to have to fly to their regional game. Now, when it comes to Colorado, everyone was screwed. All four teams would have had to fly to Colorado. There's nothing you can do about that but you couldn't have put AIC in Albany or Bridgeport you couldn't have put another Minnesota team or Notre Dame in Fargo you couldn't put a Boston team or Quinnipiac in Bridgeport how much more sense would it make to flip-flop AIC and Notre Dame here or even in the Bridgeport division someone suggested this setup to me last night have Quinnipiac be a four seed which they deserve to be by the way and have the Bobcats play BC have UMass play BU of the 16 teams in the field five are from the Northeast and only three of them make up the eight teams playing in the area it makes no sense when teams are dropping out of their conference tournaments, can't finish their regular seasons because of COVID, now you're making almost 75% of the field hop on a plane to play their first game. I don't understand the logic behind that. I don't either. They don't want to admit it, but you look at these matchups and look at which games are being televised by who. Okay, Boston College, Notre Dame, ESPN News, St. Cloud, Boston University, ESPN News. Minnesota State and your little Bobbycats are on ESPN3. Minnesota, Omaha, ESPNU. Lake Superior State, Massachusetts, ESPNU. Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin gets on ESPN2. Minnesota, Duluth, Michigan, ESPNU. And the number one seed, the number one seed, in the entire tournament, North Dakota. Are you kidding me? They don't even get ESPN2 or ESPNU or ESPN News. They're on ESPN3. What the heck is with that? It's got to make you worry about how the NHL just signed this massive contract with ESPN. We talk about so much recently, especially about growing the game of hockey and trying to make it more accessible to the fans. ESPN is really dropping the ball here. I obviously understand how you can't just shove a UMass or Lake Superior onto ESPN. It doesn't work like that. But one game on ESPN, too, that's not the way to do it. No, that's why I warn people. All y'all that were thinking that the ESPN was going to do the NHL a giant favor. No, what they want you to do is make sure that you sign up for ESPN Plus and pay $4.99 or $5.99 because that's where you're going to see most of your games. Don't believe this nonsense. If you want to see good matchups, you're going to pay for it. I don't like the fact that league champions, automatic bids are playing pretty much sucker bids. How is it that American International, the champions of Atlantic hockey, why are they set up as the sacrificial lambs for North Dakota? It should have been last team in plays the first team. I don't care who it is. But no, TV's going to say, we want Boston College to face Notre Dame. Indiana to North Dakota is pretty much a bus trip. You could have sent Notre Dame to face North Dakota, which would have been not only a great game, but one worthy of TV. Michigan, Minnesota, Duluth, short plane rides. Sending Wisconsin back east? Three of the four teams at Bridgeport are going to fly in. That's ridiculous. The Colorado ones? You couldn't do anything about, like you said, but, you know, St. Cloud State has to fly in. 
Notre Dame has to fly in to Albany. You know, Boston College and Boston University, they could take the train. It seems that they've thrown all logic and safety out the window in pursuit of the almighty dollar. But let's get back to the games themselves. I'll give you my picks here. I don't see too many upsets being possible, but it's not only March, it's playoff hockey in March, meaning anything can happen. I'll tweet out my bracket before the games, but I don't expect a ton of upsets this year. In the opening round, the only ones I can see happening are Minnesota Duluth over Michigan and Quinnipiac over Minnesota State. Michigan is one of the most talented teams in the tournament, but they have been anything but consistent this year. Duluth is a good team. I think they have a shot against a group that you never know what game they're going to play on any given night. And the Bobcats have a horseshoe shoved up their rear end and they might be able to ride that wave a little further. I think this is a good matchup for them because the big obstacle for them is getting past Dryden McKay. The Mavericks did not have a good game against Northern Michigan in their conference tournament. If they stay cold, I think the Bobcats can steal this one. But as for who's my champion, I've got Wisconsin taking all the gold this year, baby. I've got the Badgers keeping their hot streak, going and beating the BC Eagles in the finals for the national championship. I'm going to disagree with you on that one. Okay. I'm just going to go down. North Dakota, America International, North Dakota, no problem. Minnesota, Duluth, Michigan. I still think Michigan is going to eke it out. If they show up to play, they're a good team. Don't count out Bemidji State. Wisconsin's a good team. They've had a great season, but Bemidji State is on fire right now. Lake Superior State versus my UMass guys. Oh, my God. That's so hard for me to go against UMass. But Lake Superior State, they won their conference, and they're a respectable 19-6-3. Minnesota-Omaha, I think, might be the best game of the opening round. They're so good. They're so evenly matched. Don't go by the records. I would be surprised if this game doesn't go to overtime. Minnesota State, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Luke. There's no way I can take your team over Minnesota State. They are just way too talented, way too deep. I think they're going to make the Frozen Four for sure. Boston College, Notre Dame. Notre Dame doesn't belong here, and they're going to find that out. Boston College needs to be pissed off after that embarrassing knockout and performance at the Hockey East Tournament. St. Cloud State is not getting the love, and I don't understand. Yeah, they've been inconsistent, but if they have their game together, they're very dangerous. So I can see St. Cloud State, Minnesota, Massachusetts, and North Dakota as the Frozen Four going to Pittsburgh. That's the way I see it, and it's really going to be really hard to pick against Wisconsin overall. That's going to do it for us. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at The Prospect Park for Jess, at Luke Legrano for myself. If you liked this episode, be sure to rate us five stars on iTunes. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts and share this episode with your friends. Thanks for listening to another episode of Believe in Hockey Prospects. My name is Luke Legrano. My name is Jess Rubenstein. Thank you for spending some time with us. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. We hope to see you next time. Take care.